This podcast is proudly brought to you by Paul's Strength Book, an app for everyone. For less than $2 a day, you can have full access to weight training programs, nutrition, recipes, macro calculators, video library, and you can also track all of your metrics, including weight, measurements, strength, and performance. Search for Paul's Strength Book in all good app stores now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Paul's Body Engineering Podcast. Today's edition comes to you from the tropical and mysterious country of India. We happen to find ourselves in India for another ICN India show. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to sit down with one of the other judges, one of my fellow judges in Joey Cantlin, to talk about all things bodybuilding and get his take on what it takes to become a champion. So let's get straight into it and have a chat with Joey. All right, well, we're here, we're in India after what has been, I've lost count of how many hours, uh, a, lot. Lot, <laughs> a lot of hours, a lot of travel, uh, not much sleep, but um, that's my story, I'll, I'll tell you what, Joey's got an even better one, because he's been <laughs> in six time zones in the last couple of weeks, so, uh, yeah. what, what you, Joey, before we start, why don't you run us down your travel for the last, well, even, even domestically, like you did a crap ton of... Mm. flights internally in Australia before you even headed overseas. So you've been on more planes than probably seen your own own bedroom. Uh, Yeah, literally. (laughs) Um, It's sad how literal that is. Um, I don't even think I can recall how many domestic flights I went on this season, but it was a lot. I felt felt like for a string there, it was probably three or four weeks. I I didn't spend a weekend at home at all. I was in multiple states, Melbourne, Sydney... Um, yeah, which which was it was fun, but yeah. it's it's obviously very taxing as well because you don't get a lot of sleep because there's there's turnaround times to get back to the airport and go home or yeah. go back to your apartment, get ready for the next day, yep. fly to the next state for the next show again, then go back home the next day. So <laughs> all happening, but the last sort of seventy two hours, um, you know, a lot of people probably know that I've been overseas um, in America. Yep. Um, had my partner Lisa competing over there and had some clients competing over there as well. Then I spent a week in New York. So we, we went to Orlando, Miami, the Bahamas, then to Seattle, then to New York, yeah. where I had, had a week with um, two friends of mine, Dan and Lawrence, um, both, both clients as well. Um, and yeah, we just kind of had a week off. Um, and then flew home, well, flew from New York to LA, um, Tuesday morning their time then LA to Brisbane arrived home at about 5.30am <laughs> Thursday morning um, and then got back to my house after you know clearing my bags get through customs and all that yeah. I got home at about 7.30am um, did a fair bit of work during that day and obviously had errands to run and then I was back to the airport literally, <laughs> literally not even um 20 hours after I was back to the airport, uh, I think it was about just after 5am um, on the Friday morning and then obviously we've flown over here and we're yep. recording this on, what is it, Sunday, 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 Sunday afternoon. afternoon, yeah I know, it's, 
so hard to keep up. Yeah, I, I did track it down. You're right. I went through six different time zones in the space of about <laughs> yeah, 48 to 72 hours. Um, I felt it really bad yesterday because yeah. obviously we had the um, we had multiple delays coming over. We were stuck on the plane for oh. hours, multiple times. Yep. Um, so like even without the time zone stuff, it was rough. Yeah. Um, but, but even even sorry to interrupt, but even in America, you were going from the Bahamas, which was hot, to Seattle, which was freezing. So yep. not only was it difference in time zones, it was difference in climates as well. Yeah, so <laughs> I've seen just about all of it in the last uh, month. But I, I will say, like, you know, we sit here and talk about how strenuous, you know, the travel can be and, yep. and all that. A lot of people say, like, oh, you know, that's awesome and stuff. It's like, yeah, it, it is, but the travel is very tough. But I will say that, you know, I've had a hell of a time over the last, you know, four or five months, you know, mm. doing so much travel with, with all my clients and going to all their shows and seeing them um, do so well, which has been really rewarding. So, yeah, you know, we sit here and we, we laugh and joke about how rough travel is, but it's yeah. all for good reason and there's a lot of um, a lot of emotional return on investment. Absolutely. Well, you'd rather be doing this than uh, flying fly out stuff these days, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I've done that. <laughs> exactly. It's nowhere near as fun. So. <laughs> Well, that's a good segue because um, obviously I wanted to chat to you today about, you know, not only your most recent season because arguably, you know, and I've known you for a while now, that it's probably one of your most successful as a coach, just given the, the stature of results, but um, more so pick your brain about what makes a champion because you've obviously coached hundreds of clients, probably thousands to this point, um, Maybe, yeah. and yeah, many to the top of the podium, we're talking world champions, professionals, IFBB professionals, mm-hmm. um, you know, Olympians, uh, you know, national title holders, state title holders, overall winners, like we're talking everything. Gassing me up here. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> that's what I do. That's what we do in India. That's it. <laughs> um, but, you know, you must have seen a lot of common traits that are delivered by these individuals to get them to that point. You know, everyone wants to be a bodybuilder, but the difference between the good ones and the okay ones mm-hmm. are the one percenters that the good ones do so i thought i'd I'd, uh, I'd pick your brain about those common traits and what what you've seen in the time you've been doing this coaching in particular more recently with the majority of success you've had about um you know what the common traits are that these individuals have and this is probably a long conversation but yeah I, go I, for it it's it's really hard to na- narrow it down to one thing mm. um, i'm sure it's multiple it's also just hard to put into words um it's something that you just sort of have to see or experience or be be next to. Yep. Um, yeah, obviously I live with my partner, Lisa, who just turned um, pro in the IFBB bikini. Mm. Um, and she she's a classic example of, you know, everything that a champion is. And I, I feel like there's a genetic component to it. Um, some people just have it. Yep. Um, and what I mean by that is they're just relentless. Um, they stop at absolutely nothing. They don't take things, I guess, personal. Mm. They don't. They don't have an emotional attachment to a result that they might not not be able to fully control. Like bodybuilding, for example, you can control your effort and you know how much work you put in, how much time you spend perfecting your craft, but you can't control who else is going to show up. You can't control what the just the judges are going to think on the day. And you know, a champion, respective of bodybuilding understands that and understands that 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 they only are in so much control so they control every variable as as well as they can but it's just a relentless and also an understanding of sacrifice yes um 
you know, sacrificing certain things in your life, but also sacrificing certain parts of yourself. Mm. Um, when you push yourself as hard as some of these people do, and any any sports psychologist will tell you, or top end sports psychologists will tell you that will prop, that would work with Olympic athletes, yep. will say that everything comes at a cost emotionally um, and psychologically. And these these types of people understand that there's there's always a trade off. Yeah. Um, and they're okay with that. So, you know, some people might see them as, you know, a little bit too obsessed or too absorbed into one thing, but for them, it's it's everything. Yeah. And that's what it takes to be a champion a lot of the time, you know. There has to be trade-offs, there has to be sacrifices, and that goes further than just not having dinner out with your partner, you know, once mm. a week or not having meals out with your family and stuff. It goes much deeper than that. So I'd say if, if yeah, if... If you try and put it into words, that's probably as good as I can put it. But yep. it's just a, a relentlessness, um, and it's just understanding sacrifice. You know, refusal to give up. Yep. Like, you know, I'll use Lisa as another thing. another example. Like, she, I think, I can't even remember what year her first show was. I didn't coach her for her first couple of years, mm. um, but I want to say it was maybe two thousand and fourteen or fifteen. Um, I think it was up actually against Molly. Might yeah, so 14 or 15. 14 yeah. or 15, yeah. And, and I wasn't a coach then. I took over, I think it was late 2016. Okay. Um, and, you know, she she was, she was already had that champion mindset before then. Like, I, I can't sit here and take yeah. the credit and say I developed that. Yeah. Um, you can, you know. it's okay. That <laughs> no, no was the thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, she, she had that from day one, even as, you know, as a little girl, she used to... Um, be a dancer and particularly in like um, ballet right. and anyone who knows any shade about dancing is ballet is probably one of the more disciplined forms of dancing um, you know I might not be 100% correct there but I know it, it it's extremely disciplined and you have to be perfect um, and she she grew up around that and she was very good at it mm. um, she she would you know win competitions and all that kind of stuff I don't know her exact results and stuff but yeah um, she's got all photos of the trophies and stuff and medals, so she no doubt did well there. But I think that level of perfectionism required and the love of it probably just developed such a, a strong disciplined mindset. Um, but she was probably born that way. Yeah. She was probably brought up very early. You know, she was, I know her parents very well. She was brought up, you know, not strict, but always taught to work hard and give your best. Sure. Um, so I think, you know, may, maybe some people are born with it to a degree, but it, it probably comes down to what you're doing earlier in your life as well and the habits and the things you're taught from your parents. Um, but yeah, she, she's always just had this, this relentlessness, relentlessness like not, not in an aggressive sense, but just we'll never give up. Mm. We'll just, you know, she'll do a show and she, she might win. She might place fourth or second. Like she's in the gym the next day. Yeah, yeah. And she's not, you know, she's not the type of person that's going to go to the gym and kill herself and be in there for five hours. She just goes and she does the job. Mm. Like, you know, people people try to glorify it and she doesn't glorify it. She just knows what she has to do and she, she does it. She does it well. Um, and I, I've got tons of clients like that. I just use her as an example because I see it every yeah, day. Yeah, you know, you know well, yeah. She goes to the gym in the morning, she does her training. Yep. When she's in prep, she's obviously got to do cardio, so she goes back in the evening, yep. she does her cardio, and she'll also pose for a good one to two hours. Yeah. And she won't pose when she feels like it. You know, she won't pose when she's getting it right. 
it doesn't matter how good or how bad her posing is, she will do it for one to two hours. If she's got a time set on it, she will do it for that amount of time. Mm. You know, and she won't keep doing it until she's good. She'll keep doing it until she can't do it well. And then she'll just keep doing it. Yeah. She just loves it. She loves to perform. So, yeah, like I've seen her go from struggling to um, place well at a show to, you know, winning shows, winning overalls, then winning a pro card in, in a specific federation then winning the pro world championship in that federation moving to another federation becoming a pro in that federation overseas and then going over to the next federation which was the ifbb um i think it was 2021 i want to say or no 2020 22 i think maybe now it was oh geez oh hang on what are we yeah no season a 2022 um she placed second in all of her classes she got really close And then she came back this season and the girl who placed ahead of her, who was, who was very impressive and, mm. you know, came back, you know, looking great again. Um, she managed to edge in front of her. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just, just a refusal to give up and a refusal to accept that second was good enough. Sure. Um, and that's not to say that second isn't good. No, of course but not. But champions don't want to come second. They don't settle for second. Like, you know, they'll be, they'll be proud of the effort that they put in, but yep. then they'll say, okay, cool. That's great. Now, what do I need to do to get first? Yeah, they kick um, stones. They look at what's next. Nah, it's like, cool, sit in it for five minutes. Yeah. All right, let's develop a plan. Mm. And then, yeah, came back 18 months later, um, got gold in every single class that she did. She missed out on the overall narrowly mm. at both shows in Australia. Went over to the Amateur Olympia in Orlando and placed second. Um, and then we went to the Bahamas and another another really, really tough show um, won her class um, and I think she did win that class quite comfortably but the overall was really tough yeah, okay. um, there were some impressive girls and managed to come away with that one so yep. all of that work you know like people don't people don't see that no um, they just see what it looks like on stage they and they think the, the they, Instagram bitch yeah, yeah. And they think how hard can it be mm. it's like that's a product of you know probably about 10 years of work if, we, if we're being mm. truthfully honest from the day she started going to the gym and taking it semi-seriously to now. Um, and, you know, like I said, I've got a lot of clients who have the same mindset. I yep. just use her as an example because we live together and <laughs> I see it see all it. the time. Well, she is a good example. I remember we were in Townsville earlier this season and there was a few of us there and um, we were just catching up because obviously we generally only see each other in India or at a show season. <laughs> it's sad. Yeah. It is sad. <laughs> and um, so we're at Longboards having a beer and, and food or whatever and I, I can't remember who asked you and I said, oh, is Lisa coming? You said, no, no, she decided not to. She's gone home to eat and pose. Like, yeah. And that just is a prime example. I remember that and I just thought in the back of my head, wow, that's, that's impressive because she yeah. could have come and said hello and been social and all that sort of stuff but her priorities are there and you know, all respect to that and she wanted to pose and practice. Yeah, it's just, and, and that wasn't even a, it wasn't even a conversation. It was, hey, I'm going to do this. Do you want to come? No, I've got to do this. Yeah. Cool. No worries. Have fun. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, it's, it's just like I said before, it's like understanding that sacrifices having to be made, have to be made and mm. being okay with that. Yep. Um, if you want to be a champion at anything, but especially in bodybuilding, there, there has to be sacrifices made. If you're not comfortable with that, then either don't do it or just be comfortable with, you know, maybe you still win. Well, maybe maybe you still win a show, but there's there's an expiry date on that success yeah. if you're not gonna 
make some significant sacrifices. Um, and bodybuilding isn't the same for everyone. Sport isn't the same for everyone. And mm. I'm not sitting here saying that you got to go all in. Mm. Like for some people, it's it's more of a hobby. Yeah. It's more of an interest. Um, but if we're talking about, you know, you want to be the best, there has to be sacrifices, you know, in a lot of areas of your life. Absolutely. You've almost got to just give a part of yourself up. Yeah. Really. That's a fair way of putting it too. Yeah. Using, still using Lisa as an example, and I know she'll listen to this. So oh, sorry. she's going to love this. Sorry, Lisa. <laughs> no, don't apologize. She will absolutely love this. She's like, you, you never talk about me when you go on podcasting. Because I go on a few, and she's like, oh, you never mentioned me. So today she's getting she's, she's getting get, a whole segment she's about She's getting it. the gold treatment. She will be stoked. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. So look, using her as an example then, given that you do obviously know her inside and out in terms of her behavior and habits and, and you know, this particular, this sport, um... What about her off-season? Because a lot of people obviously don't see that. You know, they see the, the prep, the posing, the stage performances, the wins, etc. A lot of people's off-seasons are somewhat of a challenge, shall we say, in regards to their um, adherence to a plan. They want to have that social aspect of their life and things like that. Is Lisa similar or is she, her prep and her off-season exactly the same? I would say in terms of how she approaches... Um sticking to the plan they're probably the same yep um obviously there is a level of flexibility that is acceptable mm-hmm. um you to know her or to you both of us okay um yep. you know like we'll still go out for dinner once mm. once every week or two weeks mm. um and that can be you know considered i guess quote unquote off plan sure um she'll probably try and work it into her macros but it doesn't need to be perfect but her approach to training is the same um her approach to making sure she eats enough calories is the same her approach to posing in the off season is the exact same as well yeah really like she she will pose in the off season more than most people will pose in the back end of prep wow like and if then like a lot of people who listen to this have probably seen her on stage it's 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 the sole reason why she's such a great poser is she doesn't just practice when she's in prep like I said before like you don't do all that shit when you feel good Mm. you do it when you feel shit you do it when you don't necessarily need to or have to you just do it because you know that it's gonna at some point show yeah Um, so her off season as far as how she attacks it it's probably similar to prep there's just a little bit more flexibility in terms of the nutritional component but we still make sure that we don't get too far away from an ideal starting point because that's where it starts obviously Um, you put yourself in a hole early then you got to get out of that hole then get ahead correct Um, so yeah like the off season is like the off season is where you win the show it is like the prep is basically just where you unwrap everything that you've built Mm. if you don't take your off season seriously then you know what are you doing (laughs) and it's the same for any sport like you know nba players Mm. afl players olympic athletes like track and field you don't necessarily make progress within the season because you're too busy playing the game or doing the event it's very very hard to physically improve um the off season where your energy availability is a little bit higher um, you might have a little bit more spare time because the the smaller details of what requires of what's required of you in season might be a little bit less. Mm. That's where you have a chance to, I guess, lap the competition. Um, and I feel like Lisa takes that very seriously. Um, you know, we just we just started our off season, you know, to compete as a pro um, in twenty twenty five. So two more years. 
Um, but yeah, the work the work absolutely starts from the minute you get off stage. Of course, absolutely. Um, in regards to that, then does she? And I, I guess we're going to use her for the prime example for this entire <laughs> podcast now. Is, does she or do you oversee? You know. Th- the, the aspects of, of prep and the off-season that can obviously go quite pear-shaped quite quickly in regards to stress, sleep, mm-hmm. mindset, expectation, um, you know, um, I was going to say depression, but that probably doesn't come into it as much. But we know how affected those things can be at any given stage in general life. But in prep, they are amplified 10 times. Yeah. Um, is that something she has a great hold of? Because I know, and with all due respect, Lisa... <laughs> She can overthink things. Oh, she's agree? a massive overthinker, yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's, you, she's you, a terrible decision maker. There you go. So that would amplify stress or anxiety yeah. to a degree. So Sometimes can... she can't decide how she feels. Okay. Like she doesn't know if she's stressed. She doesn't know if she's anxious or anxious in a bad way or a good way. Right. So I guess as... I mean, you obviously in our unique situation where we're in a relationship, yep. you have to figure out which hat you need to put on. Um, <laughs> but from a coaching perspective, I think it's just about being honest about what you see as a coach mm. and w- how you think they feel. Yep. And they have to relay to you, you know, the client, how they truly feel. Because we're, we can't read everyone's mind. Like, Lisa, I can read like a book because sure. I've lived with her for five years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know when she's not telling the truth. I know when she doesn't feel good. Yep. It's the smallest things I can pick up on. Mm. But... As far as all my other clients go, like, you know, and, and you would say the same, is like there needs to be an open line of communication because that stuff absolutely plays a role. Yep. Um, and it can be something as small as having one night of bad sleep yep. can, lead, it can lead to you, you know, feeling shit in the morning, mm-hmm. which can lead to a really crap day. And people get in their head. It's like, hey, you know, it's just a bad day, not yep. a bad life. You know, flush it and get on with it. Um, but there just needs to be um, open lines of communication and transparency, and that's that's something at least is pretty good at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you find it, that's more challenging with uh, the majority of clients who you don't see face to face, so online, in terms of the communication, or do you have to do you have to build that relationship with them, particularly if they're relatively new, so that they will open up to you when they've had a crap day, when they're feeling mm-hmm. down, when they're having a fight with their partner, when. You know, they're, they're having their period, like all those sorts of things obviously are, are very important to know. Yeah. I think it just depends on the person. Like everyone's different. Some people don't want to talk about it. Yep. Some people will just know how they're feeling and deal with it on their own and okay. not mention it. And then it might come up in conversation six weeks later. I'm like, hey, you should have mentioned that. And it's like, that's fine. I, I managed to handle it on my own. Okay. So some people don't feel like they need to communicate, mm. whereas some people feel like they need to communicate everything. Yeah. Like you, you would know that some clients you will talk to every single day. Yes. Some clients, they don't want to hear from you. Mm. They don't want to speak to you unless it's check-in day. Yep. So everyone's different and I find that just figuring out what makes each specific person tick yeah. and how you can get them to open up, that's, that's a skill I feel like as a coach. Um, so yeah, I, I guess there would be an element of building the right relationship and building a good amount of rapport to make them feel comfortable with you know, opening yeah. up. If you create an environment that makes them feel like if they speak up, they're going to get smacked down or mm-hmm. they're going to get treated poorly, yeah. they're probably not going to communicate with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to create a space where they feel comfortable with opening up, but also comfortable with knowing that you're going to be honest with them. Also, it's it's a slippery slope. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very slippery slope because 
I always say there's there's a time to drop the hammer, but yep. then there's a time to just be empathetic. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to give advice or trying to dig them out of the hole, just listen to them and let them... Some, some things don't need to be fixed. Yeah, some sure. things just need to be felt. Mm. Like, not everything needs a solution. <laughs> um, and knowing when to push those buttons or pull those strings, it's not easy. Mm. And I've got it wrong plenty of times, but yeah, it's it. something that... You know, it's a skill that you have to develop if you want to be able to have your clients communicate with you openly and, more importantly, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it makes a big difference. It, oh, 100% it does. Like, any client. Uh, I mean, I think that's um, that's integral to any coach's role in any sport. Like, I've been doing my um, postgraduate in high-performance sport, and obviously that's heavily revolved around team sports and professional team sports. And I've listened to a lot of... Um, lectures from uh, condition, strength and conditioning coaches, um, head of high performance and all that sort of stuff. And, and one of the, the key attributes that they all relay is communication. Yeah. From the, the, the coach to the player, from the player to the coach, and then all the staff around, and that, that's key. Um, all right, let's, let's uh, give Lisa a break for a moment. <laughs> put her on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, put her on the shelf. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping it's okay to freely talk about some of the other clients, but uh, talk to me about Becky, because she basically won everything <laughs> like this, literally yeah like literally walked away and won everything this season it was phenomenal and she's a beautiful lady um amazing poser incredible physique mm-hmm. would she have any traits or attributes that you've noticed in particular this season because this is what her mm-hmm. third maybe third or fourth yeah. I, i'm not i'm not super specific on the details i'd have to okay. go through the paperwork <laughs> um but this is our first season together we okay. worked a bit together in the off season sure. beforehand yep um, and yeah, we, this is our first prep together. Okay. So did you, did you see anything at, in, in, at any stage during the time you've been working with her that sort of even early on suggested, you know what, this girl's got something? Oh yeah. It's, you know how I said before, like some people just have it. Yep. She has it. Yeah, well, like she, she is just relentless. Yeah. Okay. Like you tell her, you, you say jump, she'll say, cool. How high? Yeah. Okay. And then she'll jump that high and say, do you want me to go higher? You know, so she's someone that is super relentless. Yeah, I would say, you know, and, and, you know, I'm sorry if you're not happy with me talking about this, Becky, I'm sure she'll be fine. But sometimes Becky um, gets in her own head a lot and she puts a lot of pressure on herself. Okay. But I feel like that's a trait of a champion yeah. is they carry a lot of pressure and that pressure doesn't come from anywhere else. Mm. It comes from themselves. Like she was very concerned about the last show of the season because she's like you know i've had such a great season and i I really want to finish on a good note yeah i said yeah totally get it and trust me i want that just as much as you do as your coach yeah um but just you know talked off the ledge and said you know we can't control it Mm. we we've done everything up until now and you've done so well so all we can do is just trust the work and get out there and see how we go and you know i've told her often you know you're in a class of your own like you know, and, and she truly is. But um, she she possesses so many traits of a champion. Like when you say you told her that you're in a class, you know, do you when you talk to a client like that, do you are you specific in regards to who you tell that to? Because obviously that can yeah. obviously inflate an ego per se. Yeah, no, I'll be I'll be a straight shooter. Yep. I'm not gonna say that to someone who who might be a first timer. Okay. You know, like. But as far as mentality goes, yep. I, I don't necessarily mean it in the sense of she's better than everyone. Sure. I mean it in the sense of like how she approaches her craft okay. um, and how, how much 
as how much pressure she puts on herself to perform. She's she's truly you know one of one. Yeah. Um, so you know, shout shout out to her. I'm, I'm sure she'll listen to this after I tell her that she got a <laughs> she got a mention. But she had a, a phenomenal season, and there wasn't there wasn't one minute where she let up, like yeah, okay. or let let go of the rope. Um, it's very rare to find like even even a really high performing athlete do everything absolutely perfectly for mm. 30, 40, 50, 60 weeks. Um, there might be one slip up in there, but Becky didn't didn't falter once. Um, you know, she she's had some previous, some pretty rough previous dieting experiences, which has led to some issues that she's got now, which okay. might might probably be some long term issues. So Becky's prep doesn't look like anyone else's. Like mm. she has to dig harder than the average person, but no one sees that. Yeah. Um, so if if everyone knew exactly what she had to do to get in stage condition, and this time she was truly in stage oh, condition, yeah. she was. Peeled from yep. head to toe, back to front, mm-hmm. um, people will be like, "Yeah, wow, respect." Yeah, like she absolutely. she is yeah, like I said, she's one on one. Um, in regards to well, I mean, in regards to, to everyone that you manage, because obviously you know you obviously bring in quality every single time for mm-hmm. for all of your athletes. But you know what people don't see, particularly those have, that have never experienced, is that digging that you mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. you and I have both competed. We know how tough it can be. And you, mm-hmm you're at the end of your tether when it comes to the back end of the prep. So how in particular do, because her season was quite long too. So, yep. you know, it was, did she compete in Townsend? No, she competed in Coffs Harbour. So the week after. Right. Okay. So it was yeah. still And we, we didn't even plan that. Yeah. They, right. We did two, two shows off the cuff mm. um, earlier because I was like, yeah, look, you, you're not going to be 100% ready, but mm. it's been a while since you competed. Why don't we just blow out the cobwebs? Sure. Um, she still won those shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she was probably at about 85%. Wow. Um, by the time she got overseas to her initially planned shows, yep. she was on point. Um, so everything was perfect. But yeah, she did have a long season, I think, because Coffs Harbour was mid-September mm. or early September. And her last show was mid-November. Yeah, so that's long. In- it's, it's a long season. That's, yeah. that's two, just over two months. Yeah, that's a long time to hang on. It's a long time to be shredded. Yeah. Like most people can't even get shredded, let alone yeah. be shredded for two months. Like the amount of stress that has on you physically, physiologically and psychological is just so yeah. demanding. Big time. Um, so yeah, it's it's not easy. So yeah, well, I mean, to, to, to grind through a season like that and have the results that she did obviously is a testament to her, not only her character, but I guess her resilience, her mental resilience, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like she, yeah, she's just, she's tough. Mm. She's a tough woman. Yeah, well, wow. Very well, strong, like in the gym and out of the gym. Yep. Yep. Okay. She's tough. Unreal. And she, she lives in a fairly like rural area too. Oh, okay. So she doesn't like have the most amazing gym facility. Yeah, so, right. You know, she just... Gets in, grips it, and rips it, mate, and there you go. So gets that's, the job done. Even that's a testament because obviously, you know, anyone who lives in a in a built up area is spoiled for choice when it comes to gyms. You know, we've got world gyms sure. everywhere. We've got powerhouses. We've got good lives, and you know, whatever else. Whereas, um, you know, I've got some clients that live in rural areas that have very basic equipment, and mm-hmm. but they still get it done. Yeah, you know, you make it work. So that's that's impressive. Um, all right. Well, let's move. Let's move on to the general. <laughs> let's let's give him a shout out because he's 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 always uh, popping up on podcasts. Every yeah, which way. he does his own, of course. Which, yeah. is, which is actually quite good, and that's why I know a lot about his season because I've, I've listened to it closely, which has been very interesting. But yeah. I think I said to you 
I might have said it to you in town when we were catching up for those drinks, and I said to you, have, oh no, actually, it was in India, because you showed me a photo of him, uh, and he was, I don't know, six weeks into his prep or something like yeah. that last year, and I said, do you, do you know anyone who is more professional in their off-season? Mm-hmm. I can't remember your reply, but it was obviously something along the lines of, no, he's just... Not many. Yeah, not many. doesn't put a foot wrong. So, you know, at 23, <sighs> that's pretty bloody impressive, right? Yeah, I mean, he was like this when he was 20, 21. <laughs> um, like, I'm 23, I was overseas drinking and I don't even know what I was doing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I got on stage around then, but... I mean, I, I like to think I grew up pretty fast, but yeah, like when I was sort of, even even at that age when I was competing, I was still going out every now yeah, and then, yeah. still carrying on and doing stupid shit, but yeah, yeah no, he, um, he's grown up very fast, mm. um, he's just wise beyond his years, and I think that is probably an attribute that, you know, has carried him, um, so far through, you know, the success that he's had as a, as a bodybuilder, um, you know, on and off the stage, of like course. not just from a result standpoint, but creating the physique that he has. Yeah. Um, you know, he could he could never get on stage again, and he would still be considered a great natural bodybuilder. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, just just purely based on the physique he's created. Do you think? And you know, I, I don't know him that well. I've, I've spoken to him numerous times, but um, do you think one of his underlying attributes for his success to this point is his passion for the sport? Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like. You when you're when you yeah when you're this passionate about something and it's the same with Lisa it's the yeah. same with Becky it's the yeah. same with a lot of my other clients they ge- they genuinely just love bodybuilding they mm. genuinely love what they do um, and when you're passionate about something someone who comes along who thinks they're passionate yeah they're just gonna get embarrassed yeah um, you know like the dude just flat out loves it yeah um, and loves it so much to the point where he just respects it so much. So he respects the work and, and always, always gives it his best. But I, I would actually say the older he's got and the better, not better, or the better his physique has got, the more he's actually learned to, I guess, relax from time to time yeah, okay. and know when to pull back. Whereas yeah. like when you're younger, you know, it's always like, go, go, go. Yeah, like, absolutely. you know, you're so passionate that you just want to yep. jump in and give it everything. <laughs> Um, but this is but a patient he, game, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's starting to get better at learning that. Mm. Well, he, he's learned that now. Um, and he's a lot better at being able to unplug for a minute and mm. zoom out and look at things objectively and say like, okay, I probably, probably cooked myself a little bit here. Probably need to take a step back here. Yep. Um, and like, obviously, I'm absolutely in the driver's seat as a coach, but now like we've been working together for so long, it's been like seven years um it's almost like a collaboration to a degree like in prep down the stretch it's absolutely mate do this yeah okay. do that yeah um but you know throughout most of the prep and the off season it's like hey what do you think i think this what do you think yeah um just because he's become so well versed in in the area i was of about to say his, his vernacular and his knowledge in the sport like being a physio as well yeah is, is absolutely second to none, so yeah. we, we bounce ideas off each other all the time um and that's probably something that makes him a, an even better bodybuilder as well is mm. you know he sometimes thinks of things that i'm like yeah that's a great idea yeah let's give that a crack um so yeah i think he's um like one of his highlights this season, and he, and he spoke about it deeply in his um, in one of his podcasts, was his overall win at Townsville, right? Yeah. Where he turned a loss into a win effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a lot of individuals will walk away from that loss with given the high expectation that, that you put on yourself as a bodybuilder, mm-hmm. kick some stones and obviously, you know, potentially go into the next division or overall or whatever it is yeah. with uh, a worser attitude. He he just came out and was all yeah. guns blazing. Obviously, you had a, a, a bit to do with that. Do you want to talk us through that just quickly in regards to... Because you, you changed up his posing, I know that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you had to have a... I don't know, would you say a, a, a man-to-man backstage or, or was he... Because yeah. I know he had a, a moment where he wasn't... He was upset with the result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he had he had a minute. Mm. Um, you know, he came off stage pretty quickly and I, I knew that he wouldn't be impressed. Yeah. Um, so in those moments, like, again, like I said before, like part of being a good coach is knowing when to pull what strings. Yeah. Right then, he didn't need me to say, "Oh, you okay? You this?" And sure. so, of course, he's not fucking okay. He <laughs> just he just got a result that he didn't want. Yeah. So I just said, "What well I mate," and just let him do his thing for one or two minutes. Yeah. Because I know he needed to breathe, so I just left him and then came over after about five minutes. Like, all right, where's your hat at? How you feeling? Mm-hmm. He goes, "What can I do better?" I said, "I think we need to change this. I think we need to change that." Look. Maybe it's not your day, but maybe we can turn this around. Like I've seen crazier things happen. Absolutely. So let's yeah. do this. Like I wasn't sitting there saying like, no, you can win this. You can win this. Yeah. Um, I was sitting there saying, you know, maybe it's not your day, but maybe we can switch it around. You know, like you just got to never get too high and never get too low. Sure. The athlete is going through enough emotion right now. Absolutely. They need someone to be mm. you know, a little <laughs> bit more even keel. So that's something I always try and try and do as a coach is, yep. is, don't get too high, don't get too low. So I said, let's change this. I think you need to pump up a little bit harder. I think you were going through the motions a little bit too much in the first division. Yep. Um, let's push a little bit more salt through, let's push a little more carbohydrates through, see, see how much more we can fill you out without making you look worse. Mm. Um, so we went a little bit more aggressive on that side of things. And as he was pumping up more and more backstage, I'm like, all right, we're looking better, we're looking better. Um, and then when he came out the second time, I said, you know, like, give it a bit more mongrel mm. like you know show that you really want to be there because yeah. you looked a little bit flat in the first one yeah he's like all right all right we can do this we can do this so yeah we we had to have a, a probably an uncomfortable conversation mm. um it's always uncomfortable when your your client really wants to win and they think they can and they come off stage and they don't get it would you think that was easier to do given your relationship with him yeah, yeah. because we'd established such a close like he's one of my best friends sure so not even just as a coach, but as a friend, like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna keep it a buck with him. Yeah. I've even said to him at shows like, where he's like, you know, placed third or fourth about, yeah, fair. Like yeah, okay. you weren't, you weren't near him today. Like that, that those guys it are just better. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we've even had a, a funny moment at like, it's happened a couple of times at shows where we'll just see a dude backstage before we're going back on stage. And I'll just look at him and he'll look at me and I'll just be like, all right, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I always believe that he can he can yeah. get it, but there's been a couple of times where just just a funny moment like that. But <laughs> but yeah, getting getting back to that day, you know, he came out, he posed way better, he looked a little bit um, looked a little bit fuller in the muscles, mm. um, and I I don't know, you know, whether it was the increased fullness or the better posing or just a combination of both, but I feel like he did enough to reverse the result because I feel like it was already close. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, we managed to come away with that and then came off stage, obviously very excited after that class, but we still had to go up for the overall. So I was like, you know, like it's not over. Yeah. You still got to come out. You still got to look like that again. Absolutely. As you know, when you're that shredded and you flatten out so quick, <laughs> it's really hard to keep that look. Like that getting that right look, you may only have it for 10 minutes. Yeah. And you got to pick, sometimes you got to pick your poison, like when you want to look your best. Mm. I always find it's, it's in your earlier classes because yeah. that's the first impression of the, the, the judges get of you. And sometimes, you know, judges just don't look again. Mm. Like they don't judge the division as a new division. And this is something I have to give credit to the judges at that show is they scrapped what happened in the previous division, say, all right, it's a new division, yep. we start again. Yeah. Um, that's something I always try and do as a judge as well is strip it back yep. all right new division judge what's here um but yeah we we came out won the overall um which was great so that was that was that was a character building day and it just goes to show that even something like bodybuilding that that might be subjective and you know if you place you know second in a class early in the day that doesn't have to be your destiny like mm. it doesn't have to be the end you can still you can still change it. Absolutely. I've even I've even had a client beat someone in an earlier class and then lose in the overall, um, purely because said girl changed her posing to suit the criteria better. Yeah. Because her and her coach obviously did what Lawrence and I did and said, hey, there's a way we can get better here. Yeah. And she came out and she won the overall and I said, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, well that's like it. She, if, she if deserved it. If you're gonna be justified, absolutely. Yeah, I said if I was a judge, I would have said the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So, there you go. You know and. Yeah, going back to, you know, having that relationship with your clients, being able to be honest like that, like, as a coach, it's just so refreshing to have that relationship where you're comfortable enough to say those things, 100%. and they're going to take it the right way. Without feeling like they're going to be offended or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. I think if if either one of you is offended at any point, you probably haven't, you know, built the right relationship yet. Yep. It's not to say you can't. No, of course. Um... You know, like I've got, I, people say, people in the industry say that you shouldn't get close with your clients, you shouldn't build personal relationships mm. because they all move on at some point. So like, why do they have to move on? Yeah. Like, why, why can't we have personal relationships? Because I feel like if I look at like all the great, you know, bodybuilders of this past season who, who won shows, um, you look at the relationship they have with their coach and they're all close with their coaches. Yeah. Like, I, it's something I've always like prided myself on is having a great relationship with all of my clients because I feel like if we have a good solid relationship I can get so much more out of them 100% um, yeah. I can push them not just as a coach but as a friend yeah you know sometimes sometimes people don't want like I said before like not everything needs to be fixed yeah just felt so yeah true you don't you don't need to be a coach all the time sometimes just be a friend be a sounding board um, so yeah they're cool. And in regards to like having witnessed it myself, there, Lawrence's overall win, you could tell when he got you know, told that he won, the, the, the passion and the emotion that mm. came out of him. Mm. You know, and that's just a testament to, to the dude, right? Like, yeah. As I said before, one of his, his shiny lights in terms of what I see as an observer is his passion. Yeah. You hear it in his podcast, yeah. you hear how he talks about bodybuilding, yeah. and you see it on stage. So it's honestly yeah. something that is a trait that gets him across the line more times than not I would say yeah and he's, he's passionate about his work too yeah um, physio he, he's wanted to be a physio for a long time and he's 
still relatively new. Like he's only been in it a couple of years now. Obviously, he's graduated and now. He's working full time, but he is great. He's yeah. a great physio. He's better than some physios I know that have been at it for fifteen years because he's just so passionate. Love that. Um, How good. So if you ever need a good physio, here. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> just a quick little plug for you. There, <laughs> um. All right. Well, how long are we going now for? Nearly forty-four minutes. That's not bad. Um. Okay. We've got some Q&As that we'll answer in a second, but I wanted to get your thoughts, and, and obviously this is subjective and it doesn't have to be. I was going to do top three things for a new competitor mm-hmm. to try and improve, what, what I say improve, you know, get them to the finish line, but also top three things for a returning competitor. So obviously they're going to be quite different in regards to traits or discipline or behaviour or attitude or mindset or anything like that. but. Just based on your own experience, for the for a, a new competitor first and foremost, you know what what do you believe they should more or less invest in in regards to themselves to get them to the finish line? Because we know how the power just went out. <laughs> Welcome to India. Yeah, no good. <laughs> That's right. I'll go and restart the rubber band in a second. <laughs> um, but yeah, doggy, you know. If, First time competitor coming into a season under a coach, there's a lot of unknowns, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they see all the, the glitz and glamour at, of the end game, but you can't explain how crap you can feel towards the back end of the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, passion and drive is going to be one thing, but mm-hmm. what are three points that you would potentially tell someone when you first talk to them about a potential prep? Ask questions. Yeah. Ask so many questions. Um, if you don't ask questions, you'll never learn, obviously. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, like some coaches will get offended when you ask a lot of questions because they'll think that you're questioning them. Yeah. Um, so sometimes also when you ask questions, make sure you do it in a way that's not like that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I personally understand that everyone's got questions, so I, I'm never worried about that. But ask so many questions. Um, you don't know what you don't know. 100%. Um, the smartest people in the world have probably, have probably got a direct correlation with how many questions they ask. Yeah. Um, yeah. They probably ask more questions than what they answer, to be honest. Fair point. Um, I feel like all I do is answer questions now, but in my earlier years, I asked so many people so many questions, and if I couldn't get an answer, I'd try and find it myself. Yep. Um, so ask, ask a ton of questions and get as much knowledge as you can on how it all works. Um, obviously, by this point, I'm assuming this person is invested in a coach. Mm. Um Put your faith and trust in that person because yep. you have to give it to someone. Yes. You can't go through a prep, you know, like in the back end, not giving someone the keys to the car. Mm. Um, trying to make your own decisions in the back end of a prep when you're truly in contest shape, it's just impossible. So I would say putting your trust in someone is is probably another point. Um Jeez, there's probably so many good ones, and I'm just going blank here. That's all right. Um, ask questions, put your, your trust and faith in someone, and just do research in general. Like, if you've never competed mm. or never been to a show, go to a damn show. Yeah, I Like, I had a client this season who, she turned pro. It was her first season ever. Mm. She does, um, like, rodeo horse riding. Oh, well. Like, barrel racing. Yeah, okay. Um... The furthest thing from a bodybuilder ever, but has like, yeah, she had a great physique when we started and just responded like that, yeah, like well. just grew like no tomorrow. Um, she came into the season, did exceptionally well, but 
she 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 didn't ask many questions i had to prompt her to ask the questions mm. so hey do you have any questions do you know about this do you know about that so i kind of had to do that she obviously trusted me because she's like oh this guy knows what he's doing whatever sure like you know i don't know a thing about bodybuilding so i gotta trust someone <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but i made her go and watch a show okay she's like oh, i've never been to a show i'm like right that's something you have to do this this you know i think by this point we'd only just started prep mm. said so you have to go to a show not just to see you know the show itself but learn how it works yeah. feel the energy get a feel for what it's going to be like on stage it could be quite overwhelming huh? if, you, if you're not prepared for it yeah if you've Flowers, never yeah if you've was, never been to a show yeah. and then you get on a bodybuilding stage you're going to be like a deer in headlights. I yeah, mean, you'd be a deer, like a deer in headlights even if you do go and watch a show. Imagine if you don't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say that is like do as much research as possible. Yeah. Go and watch as many shows as you can. Mm. Um, there are probably, probably three obvious ones. I'm sure there's a hell of a lot of other ones and as soon as you stop recording, I'm yeah, probably going <laughs> to rattle off about 93 of them. We'll do, so. we'll do part two later. Yeah. <laughs> But that, no, but you know what? That I completely agree with that. There's, they're, they're three really good points because, like you said, for a first timer, they don't know what they don't know. So, to tell them to you know train this way or eat this way or anything like that when they've got no knowledge around what they're in for anyway, it's better to have asked as many questions, understand what you're getting into, and obviously experience what you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about returning competitors? You know, whether whether you've worked with them before or not, but they have had. The experience of competing might be several times, but they're still looking to improve. Yeah. What are three things that you would suggest in regards to that? So they know and they know the fundamentals of training, nutrition. Um, obviously, you know they're coming to you because they they trust what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if they well, if they've competed, I think the first thing you have to do is be accepting and open and willing to hear feedback. Yeah. Some people don't like to be told what they're not good at. Yeah. Um, you have to be willing to hear that. Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to hear it because if you can't figure out the feedback and know what you've got to work on, yeah. you're just going to keep going in and training your favorite muscle groups yeah, and yeah, come in the same condition every time because it's comfortable and you're going to keep coming forth. Mm. And look, if you enjoy that, that's fine. Mm. Like like I said before, like not everyone competes to, you know, be Mr. Olympia. No. Some people just do it because they love to train and, you know, they need something to chase. So that's fine, but be open and accepting to feedback and let someone actually critique you. you know, let, let them in, so to speak. Um, again, do your research. Like you, yeah. You're never too smart. Like If you feel like you need another coach, go and do some research. I know tons of people who compete and <clears throat> they have a nev- negative experience the first time because they didn't research. Like, yeah. yeah, we can sit here and say like, oh, you know, that was poor coaching practice or whatever. It's like, at some point, the client has to be held accountable too. Yes. Because they may have not have, may not have done their research. Mm. You know, I've coached tons of people that have had previous coaches in the past and they're like, yeah, if I could go back in time, the one thing I would have done is probably research more and not just listen to, you know, old, old Jim at the gym say, <laughs> go and see this person, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, so... You know, do your research and make sure you seek out someone that you feel like you can connect with yep. and that you can trust. Like being able to trust someone is so important in this game. Um, and then the third one is be willing to get uncomfortable because to make those improvements, like if, you, if you're moving on from your coach to a new coach and you're going to have another crack, yeah. chances are it's because you want to do better. Yeah. 
if you want to do better, get willing, like get ready to, you know, embrace some sort of suck. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had I've had clients come from other coaches and say like, oh, this prep was easier and I look better. But I've also had clients come back and say I look way better, but this prep really sucked. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because you probably just didn't push last time. You weren't pushed. Um, sometimes it can be a matter of, you know that coach had good practice, but mm. they may not have been able to get through to the client to push them to that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I say like relationships and communication are so important because yeah. you know, you got to find what makes that person tick. Yeah. Um, you got to be able to get them out of a hole when they're in one. And yeah, you got to, got to sometimes be the wind in their back. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I would say those, those are the three things. Um, again, I'll come up with 90 when we finish, <laughs> but yeah. Just as a, as a, if you have any, you bring oh, them up. I, I, I agree with all yours. I, I certainly do. Um, it, in as an example, with a some, and this can be anyone, first time a season competitor, or whatever, um, breaking their diet close to the end of the season. Look, it can happen. It has happened. I've had multiple experiences with that. I'm sure you have had the same. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, because you know, at the end of the day, um, people get emotional. Obviously, hunger becomes a real thing. Mm-hmm. Fatigue kicks in. You know, sleep's obviously getting worse, so you know mm-hmm. something potentially can go. What's your advice in regards to those sort of experiences? Because obviously, from my personal experience, firstly they'll go through the motions of, of eating when they shouldn't, and mm-hmm. you know, quantity ir- irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, then they start kicking stones and are really down on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, then they want to try and make up for it by doing you know a million stairmaster reps and you know mm-hmm. train five hours in the day and things like that mm-hmm. so what's what's your position on on that sort of scenario because i'm sure i'm speaking to a, a large population when i talk mm-hmm. about this because it does happen a lot yeah. yeah i think as a coach you know how i was saying before that the athlete gets emotional in those times and like that they're, they're feeling all the emotions yeah and it's gonna like initially we want to get mad it's like oh, you bloody idiot yeah like, why would you do that yeah you know, like they're, they're already feeling stupid. They're already feeling like a failure. They're, they've already got a million things rushing through their mind. Mm. Don't make them panic any more than they already are because yeah. then you just make the situation 10 times worse. Say, all right, look, this is an ideal, but it's okay. It's a one-off. Yeah. We can still recover from this. Mm. Let's just do this tomorrow or let's just get back on your plan. Like obviously context is important here, so I'm not going to, you know, use a blanket statement, mm. but... You know, the last thing you want to do is make that person feel any worse than they do because they already feel like shit. Yeah. You don't need to pile on. Nah. Like, people say like, oh, you idiot. How can, you're not dedicated. It's like, dude, like, <laughs> they already know that they're an idiot. Like, just like, you know, hear them out. Say, all right, let's just try again tomorrow. Mm. Start again. You, you do have to, like, you're right. You've got, to, you've got to know when to drop the hammer, but you also do have to be empathetic. Because I, like... For going on my own experience, I think it was even my first season. It, it's almost an out of body experience when it is. Yeah, you you, yeah. you just lose all control. You do. Um, and again, as a first timer, you've got no idea what the fuck's going on. So yeah, you've got to obviously heavily rely on someone to give you direction and pull the range mm-hmm. when they need to. So that that's a fair point. Like, and just else? finding what makes people tick. Yeah. Some people really really thrive off tough love. Yeah. Some people. You even slightly raise your voice at them <laughs> and they just crumble like a house of cards. Yeah. Like, for example, like, 
anytime I raise my voice at home, Lisa's terrified. And I don't have to raise it very high. She's like, don't yell. And I'm not yelling at her. She's like, don't, you're scaring me. I'm like, all right. But some people, they want to be screamed in their face. Yeah, right. Um, so again, comes back to knowing what makes the person tick. I can't imagine you yelling. You, 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 you sort of get to a comedic pitch with your, no, I with yell. your voice. <laughs> I yell. I yell behind the scenes. Yeah. Lots, of, lots of yelling. Oh, and yeah. I'm one of those people that will be pretty even keel. Yeah. And you won't see it coming. And then one little thing will happen. And I just... God damn. Yeah, I don't, I don't often lose my cool as a coach. There's only been one time this year where I just fully broke. Oh, yeah. And just absolutely let someone have it. Um. Yeah, I wasn't proud of that. But <laughs> I have seen you. Like I've, I've, I'm a big observer, right? So I'm mm-hmm. a people watcher, and as creepy as that may sound, no, um, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> you can watch me when okay. you do. I do, I do. Because <laughs> like, if you've got someone on stage and I don't, but I'm out there, I'm. I'm it's it's like the old saying, you know, um, always turn and look at the groom when he's come, when the bride's coming down the yeah, aisle, see yeah. his reaction. I always look at the coach. And I've seen you numerous times when a result hasn't gone your way, fucking throw a massive tantrum in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Bottle's gone, or yeah. fucking shoes are kicked off, or... Heads, hands, uh, heads in the hands. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. So, which is good, right? Because you care. You know, at the end of the day, we're riding the emotion as much as the um, the athlete yeah. because we invest as well. Which yeah. is, yeah, that's cool. And so, even if we agree with the decision, we're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping they'd get that one. Oh, right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But no, I, I think on that point, like, we... Um, as coaches, we, we take the result just as just as hard, um, you know, when it doesn't go the athlete's way as they do. Mm. Sometimes, I feel like sometimes I take it worse than they do in terms of, like, when when they win, they want to share the success and they want to say, oh, thank you so much for helping. I don't want to hear it. Mm. Like, leave me out of it. <laughs> I don't want any of the credit. Yeah. Just, you know, you enjoy it. But then when they lose, I feel like I have to take all the blame. Yeah. Like it's it's the most bizarre thing ever. Mm. Like, I won't I won't speak on the exact situation, but there was there was some something that happened at a show this season that kept me up for nights. Yeah, right. And I just couldn't could not shake it. Mm. The athlete didn't really care that much. Sure. But I was just like, I feel horrible. I feel like. I feel like I've failed them. Mm. Obviously, I hadn't, but you, you would know what I'm talking about. I know exactly And any coaches listening to this, you'll know. And I, I actually had this conversation with another coach about a similar situation at some point in the season. I said, yeah, I get it. Mm. Like, you know, it makes you sick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just want to say to the client, like, hey, like, you know, like, don't let that affect you. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you deserve better or whatever. Like... You know, it's it's sometimes really hard. Yeah, I uh, I experienced that this season too because uh, in one of the uh, overalls, I won't name which one, but you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Your client beat my client, <laughs> <laughs> which could which could have honestly gone either way. And I uh, yeah, I kicked stones for a few days after that. <laughs> you, you would have, mate. Yeah, oh. I get it. Trust me, like that exact show, that exact division, <laughs> you would know. My clients have been, and that particular client that won on that yeah. day has been second so many frigging times, <laughs> and I have been you so many times. And this time, I was not going to let anyone give. I was like, oh, "We fucking won! Yes, yeah. let's go!" Oh, and that yeah. was the one time that I would have been okay to say, like, you know, like 
the other competitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, could have that. It, yeah. was, it was so neck and neck. Oh, I know, I know. Um, I, was, I was riding every inch of that uh, emotion. Yeah, and I, I, was, I was watching you. I was watching the mission. I was watching you. I'm like, oh, God. You know, it was, it was yeah, it was, it was a tough day, but a good day. Yeah, it was a tough day. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like, it is a tough day because I know we're getting off topic here, but... Um, you know, and I'm sure it's even more amplified for you. But you get home after a couple of back-to-back weekends, and you're so mentally drained. You're almost oh, yeah. like you're a zombie for a few days yeah. after, right? Because you're dealing with your own emotions, but then you've got to deal with everyone else's yeah. as well. Um, that's probably the hardest part about it is doing all the debriefing mm. and having having harder convers- having hard conversations with your clients about where they placed, why they placed where they placed. Yeah what they need to do better, how much can they realistically improve within a season. Mm. Um, and, you know, like I said before about, you know, being honest, but doing it in a way that doesn't demotivate them. Yes. It's a huge balancing act. It's really hard. So, <laughs> you know, we, we, as coaches, we deal with our own emotions and other people's Absolutely. emotions. It's really hard. I'm, I'm definitely getting therapy when I go I was, I was literally about to say, when's your psych appointment booked, didn't Mate, you? I haven't booked one <laughs> yet, but I'm, and like all jokes aside, I think I'm genuinely going to go and see a therapist. I think between the amount of wins and emotion you've had to uh, undertake this season, the, all the travel, the different time zones, different climates, mm. you're probably due. I'm so hard done by <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But I, I, yeah, for real though, like coaches definitely like, not just bodybuilding coaches, like yeah. football coaches, basketball coaches, track and field coaches, you know, Olympic sporting coaches, they all like have to take on, you know, their own athlete, their own emotions and their athletes' emotions. They're just invested as they are, yeah. but they don't do the actual job, um, you know, on the field. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, well, it's, it's as much the performance and obviously all the training and all that stuff, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's as it is the, the emotion, the communication, getting in that athlete's head to get them to that mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah, um, you go on the right. Route. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's hit some of these Q and A's. I, I excuse me, I only got one, but I, I read it to you before. You know exactly who it is. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll read out the guy's name: Trent Baker Tattoo or Trent Baker Trent Barker. Yeah. Not tattoo. Sorry, Trent. <laughs> um, what's what's been the biggest transformation he's got or you've got mm-hmm. um, as a coach to witness from one of your clients? I think. I think transformation happens in a lot of different ways. Yes. Um, I don't want to make this a long-winded, you know, thing about, you know, transformation in general, but mm. I've seen incredible transformations, you know, physiologically, psychologically, and physically. Mm. I think um, physically or visually, the biggest transformation I've probably seen is Trent himself. Yep. Um, I can't remember the exact amount of weight loss he had from the top to the bottom, but I want to say it was close to like 70 kilos wow um so trent competed back in, i can't remember the year it was a few years ago yeah um he'd already got off like a really good amount of weight before we started together mm. and you know when he reached out to me and showed me what he'd already done i was like all right this guy's you know this guy's into Determined. the town like yeah. he's, he's he does the work yeah and he got on stage and he looked fantastic um you know did, didn't win the show or anything but i think he placed in the top five um but yeah, like you wouldn't look at him on stage and think this dude's lost, you know, like literally half his whole body weight. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, so I think from a physical standpoint, like, yeah, it was probably Trent. Yeah. Um, even, even like some of the stuff he told me, what type of person he used to be and how, how he used to feel about himself or how he would see himself. Yep. Um, you know, like 
I, I won't share, you know, mm. what he told me, but from where he came from to getting on stage with his clothes off, showing off his body, yeah. from where he was, just a huge mental, a huge oh, mental yeah. shift. Um, and you know, it it goes to show that the age old saying of like look good, feel good, yeah. like it, it, it's generally pretty true. I'm not mm. saying everyone has to be in shape. But um, generally, if you if you feel good about how you look, you'd generally be a happy person, and I think that was that was definitely the case for Trent. And mm. His health is obviously a hell of a lot better. Oh, yeah. Um, so I would say, as far as like the most impressive transformation I've seen has has probably been Trent. If I had to objectively just pick one person, but I've seen so many um, from a physical and emotional standpoint. So would you have yeah. seen? And I'm going to assume you have um, many that have gone through some form of physical and mental transformation compete and then go on to become successful coaches as well? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't remember off the top of my head who those people are, mm. but yes. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. And I think I think everyone who becomes a coach has probably gone through some sort of awesome transformation themselves. Yep. Um, they've sort of been through it and that's probably what makes them a fantastic coach is they've experienced it themselves. Yeah. And now they can say, you know, hey, I've been where you are. Yeah. Let me show you how to do it. Let me let me lead from the front. Absolutely. Um, so, Very yeah. Cool. But you, yeah, I would say train. Yeah, cool. Yeah. No, that like seventy kilos, man. That's that's like two Indian athletes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Le- legitimately, <laughs> unreal. Uh, did you you had a couple of questions on your side? Yeah, I'll pull up two questions. Yep. I, had, I had a few, but I, I've picked a couple of good ones. Cool. Um, one was the top three traits in an athlete. Mm. Um, so obviously like athlete is a very broad term, Mm -hmm. um, but we pretty much already discussed what it takes to be a champion. So I would say just having a passion for what you do, in my opinion, um, you're asking a lot of questions because you're so committed to being the best and just understanding that there are sacrifices that have to be made. Yeah. Um, if you're not willing to make them, don't. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but just don't expect to be absolutely incredible at anything. Yeah. Like that sounds harsh. That's the reality. You look at anyone in life who has had a tremendous amount of success mm. and look at their lifestyle. At some point, it was probably extremely unbalanced. Yes. Yeah. You know, like I, I, four or five years ago, when I was, you know, I'm 30 now. At you know 24, 25, when I should have been out getting on the piss every weekend with mm. my mates, like most people do at twenty five. Yep. Um, you know, I was working 80, 90 hours a week, yeah. and I'm not saying that to high note myself. No. People told me I it wasn't healthy and it wasn't good for me. I'm like, yeah, I know it's not, but I want to be a really good personal trainer. I want to be a really good coach. I don't want to have to work in a job that I don't like until I'm sixty or seventy years old. Mm. You know, I want to be really, really good at this. I want to be one of the best. Yep. Um, so, you know, you have to you have to sacrifice something. Yep. And there were things that I was willing to sacrifice, just like any any good athlete. Um, so yeah, I would say sacrifice yep. is probably it's a good one in there as well. What about yourself? Uh, I, I agree with that. Sacrifice for one. And look, you know, if you're going to pursue a a chosen sport. Um, or a discipline that you want to turn into either a career, whether it be professional, amateur, or you know, just go full-time into it. I think passion plays a significant mm-hmm. role. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all well and good to turn up and go through the motions, but the really great athletes, and you know, I'll come from a bodybuilding bias here, 
they do the one percenters. They they yeah. do the little like we spoke about with Lisa before, you know, posing when she could have socialized or yeah. you know, things like that. That may seem insignificant at the time because she was still what six weeks out at that point. They probably that you know those fifteen minutes or half an hour or whatever it is spent accumulates to perfection on stage, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what needs to be delivered to get to yep. the top. Yep. Yeah. That's, that, that'd be my take. Yep. No, totally agree. Yeah. <clears throat> um, then another question is, how do you manage fluid in the legs for your athletes mm, traveling? Good question. Um, so for me, my first point is like, I, I just try not to change too much. Um, I generally find that most people won't experience this, especially so deep in a contest prep because they're just so lean at this point that even a little bit of fluid is probably not really going to matter too much. Um, And it's almost barely noticeable if there is any. Mm. Um, But I always say like, just try not to change too much. Um, If you're on like a 13 hour flight, you're obviously going to be sitting down a lot. So maybe reduce your carbohydrates a little bit, Mm. maybe reduce your sodium a little bit. Um, Keep your fluids up so your body is still actually pushing fluid out. The last thing you want to do is completely drop your fluid. Um, we know, you know, how much that can throw things into a tailspin at the best of times. Yep. So I'd say just try not to try to avoid changing too much. And part of part of the fluid retention comes on as like stress on the body as yeah. well. Um, and going into a completely different time zone and having to change your sleeping habits mm. and get onto their time, that's part of the challenge too. So for my clients, I break down their plan in like a timely fashion. Okay. So say when you get on that flight. X amount of hours in, eat this. Yep. X amount of hours in, eat that. Um, and then try and sleep at this time. So uh, I can't even remember it off the top of my head, but if I have a client flying to Los Angeles to go to America mm. and they're on the morning flight, I'll say you need to sleep in the second half of that flight because when you get to America, you're going to be there in the morning. Yeah. So the flight is about 13 and a half hours. So you want to eat every three hours, three meals, um, or every two hours. So get you to about six hours. Try and sleep the last seven. Yep. So then when you wake up, you're starting a new day and you're already kind of you know in that, I guess, that zone. Yeah. Still might not be perfect, but try and set up the plan so you're not changing too much, but set it up in a fashion where you're trying to avoid jet lag because yeah. that's usually the biggest problem is if you get jet lag, your sleep is going to be in the shitter. Yeah. And if your sleep is bad, more stress on the body, we know what happens from there. Would you suggest, um, depending on where they're traveling and how far it is, mm-hmm. for them to get in a few days early? Yes, yeah. absolutely. If you're So my general rule is if the flight is less than three hours, one day. Yep. If the flight is six hours or more, two days. Yep. If the flight is anything over like eight or nine hours, you give yourself three days. Okay. Um, you know, if I got someone going to America for a show, for a show, I say, look, earlier the better. If you yep. can get there like a week before, that's even better because not only do you have a chance to let that potential fluid dissipate, you also give yourself a chance to get back, you know, get back on schedule over there and get your circadian rhythm right, get your sleeping right, mm. and also just get your surroundings, get a little bit of a routine because you know bodybuilders are so routine driven, yes. as you would know. Um, Try and get in as early as you realistically can. I understand everyone's got jobs and only has certain yeah. amounts of leave. The earlier you can, the better. Yeah. But if, for something like less than three hours, generally you're not going to experience any issues. Of course, some people have certain medical conditions that 
can worsen this. Yep. And that's a whole different topic of conversation. Um, but yeah. That's about, cool. Do you have anything to add to that? No, that was my only, my only point would have been get in early depending on the, the length of the flight. Um, uh, and obviously, you know, making sure you do not stop drinking throughout the, the course of flight, particularly yep. longer ones. You know, I have a bad habit of doing that personally. But, not um, drinking or drinking? No, much. not drinking. Yeah. yeah, because I don't want to get up and go to the toilet. Yeah, particularly when you're get leaving. an aisle seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I tried to, but uh, I, <laughs> I, I lost that battle. I was not having a bar of any window or middle seat. I've been through enough. Oh well, yeah, I got 15 years on you. I should have pulled more authority. <laughs> I, I just gave in. I felt sorry for you. Yeah, look, you should. I'm so hard to come by. Uh, but yeah, no, look, I, you know, drinking water obviously to, to, to keep the body going and, and yeah, get in early. Like even. I know in the past, and it's been probably um, a mistake that I made, um, you know, people competing in like Townsville would catch that red-eye flight the day before, mm. get, you know, 6 a.m. goes up, which means they've got to get to the airport, which means they're getting up at 3. Like, I've done it personally. Yeah. Um, and it was just it was just dumb. Yeah. So, you know, things like that you shouldn't do. You should try and get in on a comfortable flight, yeah. not a ridiculously early flight or late flight. My, my first... <laughs> Segway, yeah. my first ever show was Townsville. Yeah. In 2015, I flew to Townsville the morning of the show. <laughs> no joke. I woke up I woke up at like 4 a.m. I had had my I'd had my base coat done the night before. Yeah. I flew to Townsville. I had my breakfast. I flew to Townsville and I went and got my food like <laughs> that morning. Then I went and got my tan. Because back then, like you used to have to get your spray tan elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this was eight years ago. Yeah, of course. Oh, what is it? Yeah, eight. It's Yeah, eight yeah, years. Yeah. Shit, it's been eight and a half years since yeah. I've been. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm such a has been. Um, this is eight and a half years ago. So now, like tanning is on site for a lot of companies. It is. Yeah. But back then, it wasn't. No, so you if your tan was something. screwed, you were screwed. <laughs> like you, you, you're in trouble. Yeah. So I went to this hotel, got my top coat, yeah. and obviously with a top coat of tan that's been sprayed on, you can't touch it. So I'm like super tedious getting in and out of taxis. Uber wasn't around then, yeah. so you had to call a taxi. One through one three one double oh eight, black and white cabs get a train. That's go. how I remembered it. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I don't recommend that. No, I wouldn't either. Definitely don't do that. And like for me though, it wasn't even something I thought about. It's just like I'd just go up on the deck. Well, you, again, you don't know what you don't know, right? Just, you know, I was I was twenty two. You, you flew back that same night. Um, <laughs> oh, what did we? That'd get? be a, that'd be a fair effort. I think we did. Are you serious? I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm trying back, to remember. Back then, those shows were ran pretty late because they no, we flew late. back the next day. Yeah. We got accommodation, so we checked into the accommodation after. I think it, yeah. it was so long ago. Um, it was a very different part of my life. <laughs> um, and yeah, like back then, you would you would do the show, then you would have a good feed after. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah, had a good feed after. Went home the next day and had that day off too. Yep. And then I had a show next week. Yep. And then I looked worse the week after. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what? What do I? Why don't I look better? I didn't know shit back then. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's um, oh. it was it was interesting. So yeah, don't travel on the day of your show. No, I mean, I, I actually like I looked great. Like, yeah. I, I placed really well. <laughs> it was probably the best I ever looked relative to, you know, all things considered. Um, yeah, just didn't didn't have a clue. But yeah, don't do it. Maybe you could have gone better. Yeah, maybe. Flew in early. Who knows? Maybe no. Who the knows? guy who beat me was pretty good. I oh. come second. He was he was unreal. Yeah, okay. I was not well, there. <laughs> oh well. All right, we'll we'll wrap it up there, Joe. I appreciate your time. 
Um, I'll say Namaste and yeah, Dunyabar. Dunya Dunya <laughs> <laughs> um, but we might we might grab you for another one while we're Absolutely. here, given that uh, we've got a little bit of time before the, the show kicks off. But just quickly, what are you looking forward to about um, the show this weekend, given <clears throat> given its enormity? Um, oh, there's a lot. Um, you know, like I won't I won't give away everything, but we've got ten class splits for first time as men's physique. Like, yeah. That's that hectic. is insane. <laughs> That's hectic. Ten, like, I think it's over a hundred men's physique first, first timers. First timers. Just first timers. So that that is nuts. Um, so I'm just looking forward to not only the volume, but from what I've seen, the quality of competitor yep. and just being able to have a front row seat to that. <laughs> Obviously, I've got to judge him. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to the show. And, you know, the shows over here are so good. Like, mm. Jay does such a great job of putting on an amazing event, emceeing such a good event, yep. you know, giving the athletes their time and, yep. you know, just, just everything that comes with it and just being a part of it. It's, it's so cool, as it you is. know. Um, you know, and yeah, I, yeah, it's going to be great. I, I love Goa. Goa yeah. is awesome. Goa is good. It's Goa like, good. Um, it's, it's tropical for, for anyone who hasn't been. It's like yeah. tropical. Um, it's just got it's, a good feel. I just feel relaxed when I come in. Yeah, compared to some of the other cities, which are, are very, very chaotic. Yeah. This is very relaxed. It's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. All right. Well, I'll see you there. Oh, and I'm looking forward to Fisherman's Wharf on Monday. Yeah, night. absolutely. <laughs> a little bit of a tradition now as we go to this uh, seafood restaurant post-show and, and just a bit of banter gets thrown around, shall we say. Quite a bit. Quite <laughs> we a bit. unwind, Yeah, which is good. All right, mate. Well, thank you once again. We'll jump on another one in a couple of days, maybe. But um, no, that was a really good insight. Really, really good insight. Um, so anyone listening, obviously, if you want to follow Joey, if you already aren't, I highly recommend it. Um, Joey Cantlin PT, is that your Instagram? Yep, yeah. it is. Cool. Yeah. All right, so give him a follow so you'll get inundated now. You're going to get smashed. Yeah, well, this is a very popular podcast. Oh, I know it is. Oh, don't you worry. <laughs> All right, I'm wind off now. Thanks, Pre- mate. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Okay, well, uh, firstly, I'll thank Joey for his time today. Um, he's in the neighbouring room to us here at the hotel, but uh, I thought it was a great opportunity uh, to grab him and just pick his brain, given uh, his experience, not only as a coach, as a judge, as an athlete. Um, and as you can tell, we spoke for uh, well over an hour, and um, I'm sure there's some good pieces of advice in there for anyone, no matter what level of athlete you're at. So, look, if uh, if anyone is obviously interested, please uh, follow Joey along. He's um, Some of his athletes are outstanding, and, and those that uh, are familiar with him and his, um, his team, uh, yeah, he delivers quality. Now, if anyone's interested in, obviously, my coaching services, as I always say, please jump on paulsbodyengineering.com. Have a look around. Of course, you can DM me as well. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it, screenshot it, put it on your stories, tag myself at paulsbodyengineering.com. Tag Joey as well, Joey Cantlin PT. And as I say to every single client, every single day, have a great day.